listening to The Pipeline, a proverbial aqueduct flowing between the hands of poverty and the hands of Jesus. This program is produced and sponsored by Pipes International. For more information and resources, like us on Facebook or visit our website at pipesinternational.org. If you'd like to support this program or the ministry of Pipes International, you can do so easily and securely on the website. Guana Asifiwe. Welcome back to the Pipeline, Pastor Samuel. Thank you so much, Stuart. I'm so happy to be here again. Yeah. Take two. We're going to get it this time. Okay. We had an audio issue. Um, so I would love to just kind of break down what happened last month. You traveled to Pakistan mm-hmm. and uh, we were praying for you. We had kind of mentioned that in our previous episode. Our listeners had been praying for you. I would love to know how your trip went, what you guys did. And we can just start off with that. What was kind of your objective, the overarching goal of the trip? Okay, I think first I should thank all of our listeners uh, for your prayers. You prayed for me when I was traveling. And yeah. indeed, God really took care of us. Uh, we even had some issues here and there. But because of the prayers of the saints, uh, God took care of us from no- October 20th all the way to November 6th. We had a great, great time of mission, about 16, 17 days. And uh, we had crusades, we had church services. And as as you know, the people of Pakistan are so welcoming. So I felt the welcome when I got there. And every day, wherever we went, the cities we visited, we had a great, great time. Amen. I'm excited to break down uh, some really awesome things that happened with some of the meetings that you had. Um, Obviously, Pipes International is an evangelistic organization, so we know that your goal was to go evangelize. Um, can you kind of talk to us about who you were evangelizing to? What and, and I know we just kind of started a relationship with the indigenous peoples mm-hmm. in Pakistan. Let's talk about that. Okay. So, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, we had three objectives, and one of them was to do evangelism, and the other one was discipleship program and then the visit to the indigenous people group. So I was very excited and looking forward, as you know, Pipes International. Actually, Pipes starts for partnership for indigenous peoples. We've done this with the pigments in the Congo, Rwanda, Burundi. And so visiting the indigenous people in Pakistan was like one of my main highlights. And we visited this group called the Jogi. Uh, the Jogi are an indigenous people group in Pakistan. Uh, many of them have not been reached with the gospel. And interestingly, uh, you know, Pakistan is mainly a Muslim country, you know, 97.5%. Yeah. But the Jogi are actually Hindus. Wow. Uh, we do have maybe 1.5% of Pakistan as Hindus. And the Jogi, most of them are Hindus. So we went there, shared the gospel, shared a meal with them. And as you know, we also are digging uh, boreholes with them. So I went to also to inspect the work we've done already with them. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. That's really fascinating that they're... Hindu, where, where does that influence come from? It comes from India. As you know, Pakistan and India used to be one country. Mm. And they divided, and the Muslim went to the Pakistan side and the Hindu on the Indian side. But still, we still have some pockets of Hindus on this side of the Pakistan and a few Muslim on the other side. So that is where the influence comes from. Okay, wow. So the, the country split. Uh, Pakistan became its own country. Do you remember what year that happened? Um, I think it was 1947, right? Yes, 1947. Yeah. And actually, there used to be three countries initially, including Bangladesh. So, and then, of course, they all scattered into different countries, uh, Muslim being in Pakistan and Hindu being in uh, in India. Hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, so how long have you been dreaming of meeting with these people? Uh, since I went to Pakistan the first time, okay, uh, 2016. Okay. Wanted to visit them because every country I visit, I kind of want to go and see the indigenous people there as well. But 2018, went there and visited these people, but we found that some problem was going on. There was a conflict and, and fighting, just tribal fighting. Wow. And we couldn't even speak to any of them. They were throwing stones and were told this is not safe. So we <laughs> left. <laughs> so three years later... I was able to go there again, and this time it was peaceful, it was calm. Wow. And so I had a discussion. And so I, you literally walked up on them, or you drove up. We drove four hours. And there they are, <laughs> throwing stones at each other. Yes, and, and and the guy who was guiding us said, this is not safe, it's not going to end well, we don't want you to get involved in this fight. We drove back <laughs> another four hours, three, four hours. What, what were they fighting over? I, we didn't even get to know, but I think, you know, maybe just more quarrels. It could have been food or something, uh, but, you know. And that's normal. Is that, I mean, is that like fairly common for this people group to be I would, engaged I would say in that? Yes, I would say yes. I think, because I've seen the same in Congo, uh, frustrations. I think the pygmies are frustrated as well in Congo. And so with depression and all that. So any small thing can trigger fighting. So I think that's yeah. what I saw. Yeah. Uh, maybe something triggered. It could be, you know, fighting over anything, whether it's food or mm. house battles. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I laughed a minute ago because the, the thought of it is sounds humorous to drive up and see that, but it's not funny at all, actually. I mean, it's like the reality of one, like the devastating effect of poverty. Yeah. Is yeah. that poverty drives people to places of violence mm. and drug addiction and sinful patterns that, I mean, that, yeah, it's just a product of, of, of poverty. Yeah. And that's why I, I actually, I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this because I have heard people ask before, mm. like, what's the point? Like, why, why do we actually need to like help people out of poverty? Mm. Like, why isn't it just enough to go share the gospel and then, just let them be Christians in poverty. Uh, yeah. But the See, reality is that even whether you're even if you're a Christian in poverty, like poverty still drives so much violence. Yeah. And it still drives sinfulness. It's like saying to a alcoholic, maybe I don't know if this is a good example or not, but maybe like, you know, why isn't it enough to be why can't I just be a, a Christian alcoholic? Mm. Because alcoholism drives violence and it's yeah. like it leads to other sinful patterns mm. yeah so you when you work with indigenous people groups and, and poor communities low income then you realize you share the gospel but you have to do more yeah. just like jesus would not leave people hungry in the in the wilderness he would feed them and uh, set them f uh, f uh, home after feeding them all it's you know the bible talks about somebody who is cold you don't just preach them and tell them, you know, keep warm. You give them a shot. And I think right. that's what we do. We just kind of do what the Bible expects us to do. And as you said, if you leave them in poverty, uh, they will still have those battles and wars. And because of depression, they'll still go to alcoholism and uh, uh, drug addiction. Um, and so as we preach to them, we also try to see, okay, how can we help them out of this poverty yeah. so that they can live meaningful lives, you know, life with a purpose, so that's why we do uh, what we do. Yeah, and even in Scripture, 
you know, in, in, in James, I think it's chapter five, it says true religion is this, mm. to chapter, help. Yeah, chapter one, verse 27. Oh, chapter one. Okay, yeah, to help widows and orphans in their time of need yeah. and to yeah. clothe them and to feed them. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we just started, fi- like, praise the Lord. We mm. just broke ground relationally with the Jogi people. That's J-O-G-I. Yeah. Um, how long have they been living in Pakistan? Are they native to Pakistan? They are natives to Pakistan. I'm not sure how long, but you know, most of the indigenous people groups, and that's one reason they are called indigenous because basically they they were either the first people to be in that country, like the Native Americans and 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 all that. Yeah, you know, so they've been there for a long time. Okay, so can we compare them just for our listeners who are familiar with the pygmies and their lifestyle? Mm. You know, the pygmies live in the forest. Um, some of them live in huts, like little sticks, like grass huts that they make with sticks and leaves and mud. Um, what is their lifestyle like compared to that of the pygmies? Mm. I think um, they are not, the, the only thing I can say, they are not deep in the forest like some of the pygmies are, but uh, life, their life is more or less the same. They live in huts. Um, they are closer to the cities, but they're still living in huts, uh, no food. I think I only found two boys in that community, maybe among like a hundred children that got to schools, uh, to the school uh, among the kids that I met. So you'll find that the parents are not keen on taking their kids to school because maybe education doesn't matter to them. And so encouraging them. So again, the same with the pygmies, you know, being encouraging them to take their children to school. So I think the same mentality, the parents did not go to school, so why bother with the kids going to school? So when we introduce schooling and encourage them to take them to school, it makes a big, big difference. And sometimes the schools, like uh, I saw this, the public schools are actually free. But just mm-hmm. getting the uniforms, shoes for the kids to go to school, yeah. we need to encourage it. And that's a conversation we've started. Can you break that down a little bit more? Like, why do they not take education seriously? So um, some of them is just because the parents were not educated. They don't see the need and the value of education. But number two, they have also seen kids who have gone to school, finished high school, uh, maybe did not afford to go to college, or after high school they didn't get any job. So they're like, okay, so why waste all the time in school and there's no job available? And especially in these developing countries where uh, youth unemployment is so high. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so on the point of education, so... One of the things that Pastor Victor and you are working on is getting, raising just a, a level of understanding that mm. education is important, Yes, but you're also helping pave the way, even financially, mm. for children to go to school. Yeah, get them some uniforms, get them some shoes. We actually give uh, quite a number of kids shoes at that time. And also just providing some meals for them so that uh, at least when they go to school, they know they come back, they have a meal in the evening. Because, again, when kids go to school, spend the whole day, they come home, there's no food. I mean, they get drained and they, they don't have the energy to, to continue with the schooling. So one of the efforts we are doing then is to, you know, start some feeding program for these kids, make sure they have uniforms, they have shoes. And that's what we are working with uh, with Pastor Victor there in, in, in Pakistan. That's awesome. So you mentioned public schools. What about private schools? Is that an option? Yes, there's an option for a pub, uh, private schools. It costs about $5 to take them to, to a private school per month. So it's not really a lot of money. 
And are these 60. Christian private schools? Say that again. Are they Christian private schools? Um, yes, most of the private schools are Christian. And so like like uh, uh, Karachi, I visited a few Christian schools. Okay. Uh, again, most of the people who are Christians take their kids to uh, Christian schools okay. if they go to a private school. Okay. And we'll get into the whole Christian lifestyle in Pakistan in a minute. Um, I'm just curious. Oh, maybe this is going to touch on it anyway. In in Rwanda, for instance, or the DRC, like where we have Hope Academy, mm-hmm. we have a Christian private school called Hope Academy. Yeah. And we have 600 students that go there. Uh, and from a government perspective, there's nothing wrong with us teaching the gospel in that school, correct? Yeah, this, the, yeah that's, that's allowed. That's not illegal. In fact, in most of African countries, especially southern of Sahara, uh, they have a subject which is called Christian Religious Education, CRE. And mm. it's taught. It's part of the government curriculum, which is a very good thing that kids wow. learn. And I did the same. Kids learn about Christ, about the Bible wow. from our age. Okay. Uh, is is that allowed in Pakistan? So uh, in Pakistan, if you have a, a, a Christian private school, you can actually teach, not as a subject, but you can teach kids about the Bible. Uh, it will not be a subject, but you, you have... In the morning, in the evening, you can pray. You can do whatever you want. They're not going to stop you to do that in your private school. Okay. That's 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 interesting. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to know for our listeners, uh, you mentioned distributing shoes. And I know we've done that in the past where we've collected shoes from different churches here in the States and then shipped them over. What's the best way to facilitate something like that? And if there's a church that wants to get involved with Pakistan specifically and the work that we're doing with those indigenous people, can they, uh, and obviously financial help is like the most uh, diverse thing that anyone can do. You know, we Mm -hmm. can use that in tons of ways, but let's say someone wanted to do a shoe drive. Is that something that we're interested in? Uh, I think for now, we may be interested in that in Africa because we already have ways to ship those uh, shoes to Africa. Okay. Pakistan, we haven't established any way to ship them. Okay. So for now, we'll still encourage if somebody wants to support a child with a shoe, a good shoe, $10 would be enough for a shoe. So if it's 10 kids, then that's $100. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's talk about um, some more physical provision uh, in specifically water. So we've dug boreholes now in Pakistan. When did we start doing that? So we started this in 2018. Uh, that was my last trip, 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started digging boreholes among some Christian communities. So it's good for me to say this. Among, in Pakistan, a lot of places where Christians are concentrated, the government ignores uh, those Christians. And so you'll find a place with no water. Wow. And maybe another neighborhood near there, which is a Muslim-dominated, has water. So what we've done, we started helping those Christian villages. Wow. And then we extended to others. Some of them are Muslim, but, you know, they, they don't have enough of the water. So we've dug about 10 boreholes now. Wow. It costs about $500 to do one. So they are kind of a shallow. They don't have to have big equipment. They actually do that by hand. Mm. So there are some men who are experts, and they're able to do that. They use um, a kind of a pole, a long pole, and there's a way they, they, they do... Um, they, they, they do the technology 
um there's a technical part of doing that yeah and finally you have water and just 500 dollars we find it very reasonable yeah so a borehole is a small hole in the ground yes. that goes deep exactly to get to the water and it's kind of like um a water pump you might see here in a park yes, somewhere exactly they put a water pump you know it's kind of a little bit manual the way you 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 do it you, yeah. you swing you swing a metal mm-hmm. but it's easy you don't have to throw a bucket down there and pull the water right this is this is just a small hole which is bringing the water up okay and the difference between that and any kind of well digging that we may have invested in in the past in africa Financially, it's pretty significant, oh, yeah. Very significant. In Africa, it will be costing twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars to do a well, wow. and, and this is because places are could be rocky, and they have to use um, high machines, strong machines. Yeah, and um, you know, it's it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. And how much does it cost to dig a borehole? In Kenya, it would be uh, between twenty to twenty-five thousand. Okay, but in Pakistan, just five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars. Yeah. So that's an that's an awesome thing that you can do right there. Yeah. If you're listening and you want to support putting water in these Christian communities, uh, which are neglected by the government of Pakistan, uh, we can help with that. It yeah. costs five hundred dollars to dig a borehole. That's an awesome way to get involved. Yes. Um, okay, let's let's just kind of dive because we've already been hinting at this, especially with that aspect right there. Uh, what's life like for a Christian in Pakistan? And the second question is, what is life like for a Muslim who converts to Christianity in Pakistan? Okay, those are good questions. Uh, so, for a Christian, if you are born Christian in Pakistan, whether it's Catholic or maybe Baptist, whatever religion. Presbyterian is a big religion and Anglican there. Mm. So if you are born a Christian, nobody bothers you. So you be a Christian, you can do um, your your stuff, you can go wherever you want to go. But if you are born a Muslim, it's illegal to convert from the Sharia law. You shouldn't convert from Muslim to Christianity. Mm. So if you do that, then you put yourself in trouble. Through your family can um, kill you or you know report you to the authorities yeah and because according to the law then you should be killed or jailed so it's illegal to convert so what happens if you are christian i mean if you are muslim and you convert two things you might do one you might just decide okay i'm gonna make it public and if i die i die Mm. but most of them what they do they just shift from one city to another city so if you live in karachi and you decide okay let me go to the hole and by the time I land there, I'll land like a Christian. Mm. I'll just say I've been a Christian. And so nobody's going to bother you, yeah. provided you don't say, oh, I, I used to be Muslim, I've converted. Yeah. So it's it's pretty um, a serious stuff. Even for us as preachers, when you go and preach to somebody who is a Muslim and they convert, you cannot go saying that because yeah. both the convertee <laughs> and the one who converted them yeah. uh, is in trouble with the government. So as a preacher as a missionary going to pakistan you can't say you know when you get to the border mm. i'm here to share the gospel no 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 you can't say that yeah yeah you can't go saying oh i'm coming here to preach the gospel i'm coming to do christian ministry so you will go like you're going to attend a conference it could be a christian conference you're attending but you don't say i'm gonna preach so is it illegal to evangelize to muslims 
um so so they don't see it as evangelism okay they see it like you're trying to convert somebody so that is not okay that's taken as illegal okay because you're trying to convert you might say oh i'm just evangelizing no you're trying to convert somebody which is illegal and you can put you in trouble so you while you were there mm. uh and i don't i think were you in karachi when you held that meeting yeah so the big crusade we had is called gujrawala oh Gu- gujrawala okay yeah. mm-hmm. and you had 5000 or 4000 people yeah 4000 in attendance uh and a lot of them were not christians what well, yeah a lot of them were not christians you know when we called them to give their lives to christ several hundreds lifted their hands and we prayed together i also called a few in front there to come and maybe a hundred came wow and of course there are others who can't come because you know that's yeah put, put them in trouble well that's amazing yeah. well, so was that considered illegal for you to host that meeting no no no. the meeting is is allowed you can do because christians are allowed to gather so that to them is a christian meeting but there were a bunch of muslims there yes they are welcome to come but it's like a christian meeting <laughs> so, so a muslim is welcome to go to a christian meeting yes that's not illegal Um I think because nobody's really going to be watching you know you and they oh, do it okay. at night you're talking about 9 p.m. at night oh. we preach around 10 11 p.m. leave there after midnight sometimes yeah. 1 a.m. in the morning so really nobody's there to just check who is muslim going there so the problem is not going the problem is you converting okay yeah. so i i saw pictures and i'm pretty sure i saw armed guards mm-hmm. like car- carrying <laughs> yeah like rifles yes uh and they were christians so um some of them were muslim okay because some of them are there to protect any foreigner who is in the country okay <clears throat> so there is an arrangement if 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 people have a meeting and it's a religious meeting then you report to the government so that they give you security so then they don't care they just want to make sure that uh, nothing happens to somebody from US from another country and then they have diplomatic issues with that country. Okay. So um so the churches have the churches themselves they have security people with guns they allowed you know greeters greeters like we have greeters in the US greeting you uh, yeah. as you enter yeah. they would have a gun so they're greeting oh. you they have a gun. <laughs> so I met this pastor I visited this pastor just before we I went to preach he took me to his office you know for coffee. And then he had a Bible and a gun. And I'm like, so pastor, why do you have a gun in your on your table? And he says, you know, Samuel, this is Pakistan. This is Pakistan. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of the way Pastor Victor whenever I heard Pastor Victor preaching in Africa, he always, I mean, he he even said it with like in a laughing kind of joking way, but he's like, in fact, yeah, we have bombs going off in Pakistan, but <laughs> yeah. we still keep preaching the gospel and Yeah, yeah, it's Yeah. They, get, they get used to some of those things, you know. People um people being killed because they are Christians, you know, burnt. So one of the things that um, is very bad in in uh, the Muslim countries with the Sharia law. Yeah. If somebody comes and says you blasphemed against Muhammad, they mm. only need two witnesses. Okay. So yeah. we asked, okay, this person blasphemed? Yes. Why is who is the witness? You just bring somebody. You just bring yes, anyone. And that's that's it. You are dead. Wow. Yeah. And you I believe you told me there was a shoe that recently came out that had Muhammad's name on the shoe. Yeah, so this shoe was done in in France. Okay. And it had a name of Muhammad and people are not happy about it. So this group called TLP, they started TLP. TLP. Okay. 
so it's a political group but they started uh, mobilizing people and saying we want the french ambassador in pakistan to leave immediately oh so they were forcing the government to set this guy away mm. and the government doesn't want to do that and so they started uh, demonstrations all over the cities from one city to another in fact we uh, we canceled a few of our meetings wow we were supposed to drive to islamabad from gujarawara about four hours so we canceled that because they were on that way going to the capital city that's really interesting i'm yeah. curious i'm i'm as you're talking i'm kind of thinking about young people mm. in their 20s um i'm i mean in america young people especially uh younger 20s and and teens are definitely um you know consumed in into the the digital world with being on social media being um and and you know especially active in um uh, in different political movements here in the United States yeah. um and you know whether it's some kind of equality some kind of uh racial um you know racial equality whatever it is young people are very active mm. and young people like to speak very loud mm. with their opinions yeah. um i'm curious what it's like for young people in pakistan especially with like the TLP is the TLP largely a young people motivated group or is it people of all ages I think it's all ages it uh, it's actually a political outfit okay which the government had declared them illegal at one point really so they say this group is just they, they are extremists so they say this group is illegal but because of their demonstrations and um, that affects the government the performance the economy then they talked to the government they said okay fine you are not illegal anymore but you know just try to behave and so <clears throat> the only thing you see these are muslim the extremists yeah and the government is also muslim so even though um they are, they are, they are doing things that government is not very happy about they're still on the same side but for a christian young people to start demonstrating and start you know going to social media to say things against the government that is completely out of question they'll put themselves in trouble okay and so christians will not be against the government the government is predominantly muslim government all the leadership the top leadership are all muslim and so it's very difficult for a christian uh to try and oppose the government and i will let you know this um the muslims are quite i mean the christian community in pakistan are quite low economically Okay. So their social status is, you know, they are poor. Yeah. You don't find any rich Christians that you would find in other countries. Mm. So if you put yourself in trouble, then there's no one to speak for you, there's no one to hire a lawyer for you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's difficult. Wow. Wow. Well, I I we touched on this briefly, but I want to go back to it. The meeting that you held in Gujranwala with 4,000 people, you said uh, hundreds of people raised their hand mm. to become Christians, to become yeah. believers. And you even invited, you had an altar call. Yeah. And you, about 100 people showed up, came forward. Mm. Um, I mean, that that's that's really exciting. And that's, that's awesome faith for those mm. people who know what the price is mm. to become a Christian and to step forward uh, to ask for prayer, to repent of sin. Mm. Um, 
Can you just talk, you know, what's, I mean, you, you did mention, you know, they could either go public with it or they could be private. They could move to another city. Um, what's, what are some ways that we can be praying for newly converted Christians in Pakistan and, um, what might the next few months or weeks look like for them is if they're going to actually start acting out on their faith? Yeah, so I think uh, we definitely need to pray for them. First of all, that their faith is going to be strong. They are going, because they have already confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, they are going to uh, be strong in their faith and continue to grow. Pray for their security and safety, you know, that they are not just going to be killed because, you know, we want them to be witnesses to other Muslims and their families as well. But you know how that all works out? I think when we pray, you know, God has his own ways. Mm. But I will say this. I've been to a place where people meet in a house. Uh, so these are former Muslim. They meet in a house. Um, they don't make it public. Yeah. Whoever converts can join them um, quietly. And, you know, they don't make it public again. So I went to this house one time and they said, okay, no music, nothing. Just preach to us. You know, we can share. We can share a meal. We can chat we can laugh you know mm. but <laughs> we can't we can't start singing and attracting attention of the outsiders wow. so yeah so that is happening a lot of other ground churches in pakistan just like saudi arabia or other countries yeah and we just need to pray for them that they continue to grow you know spread that people meet even if they meet in private you know god is there in their midst wow yeah <clears throat> wow that's that's humbling to think about, mm. and that's definitely not something that we're used to here in America. Yeah, yeah, we just so far fetched. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So obviously, we want to invite people to come on mission with us, mm. um, and I feel like, based on what we've talked about, and and just either the knowledge that I have with some of your experiences in traveling to Pakistan, mm. um, it might not necessarily be the easiest place to go to, yeah. but how are for for anybody who might be interested in going to Pakistan with Pipes International? What are uh, what are some things to maybe pray about or prepare for, or you know how how realistic would that be for someone? So um, so first of all, I think things are getting easier actually. For example, um, three years ago, getting a visa was very difficult. You had to make an application and send your your passport to uh, I think Chicago. Okay. Paid two hundred and fifty dollars, and now this time round when I went there, I just did it online. Wow. Pay sixty dollars, and after seven days they approve it, and you just print it and go. Wow. And so, first of all, that's a good thing. So they are making it easier, both economically and also in the times of processing it. Okay. Uh, number two, uh, our host, Pastor Victor, and the churches that will come as there, they are very. Are careful they take care of us they make sure that no issues happen yeah if you're going to a place which is um which is uh, seen like a dangerous place you know they have security they have all the measures and of course trusting god for the process so what i encourage people uh pastor victor would like us to be visiting with him every october mm. so next year then we'll plan to do that again okay wow um, so preparation of course have a passport ready yeah when that time comes then uh, if you are interested then we can show you how to do the application for the visa of course there are several documents that are needed okay uh, from the host uh, you have to do say what who you are going with what you're going to do who is supporting and sponsoring you all those questions 
but those are things that we can prepare as we go so but i think it's i would say it's doable mm. don't have to fear so much you know this happen everywhere even in the us so i think the thing is trust god and i can tell you i've been there three times now mm. it's it's not like do or die i mean god yeah. they, they they are the people are welcoming yeah and they they are careful to do anything that can really affect relationships with the US and again Pakistan is actually a friendly country to US mm. yeah well that's exciting yeah. that you're going to be going once a year i hope i can join you next yes, october please. i'll be planning to do that yes plan to do that yeah um wow so as always we have work going on all over the world yeah. at the same time i know today we're mostly talking about pakistan but um currently pastor isaac is just finishing up a tour kind of going from Rwanda to Burundi to the DRC. Um, And uh, do we have a report on how his trip has been? His trip has been very well. I had a meeting yesterday with him. I'm going to have another meeting today after this. Okay. And so he's doing very well. He visited Idri Island, where we hope to uh, put up a school very soon. Wow. They have purchased a land there. Uh, We have the school that we've been supporting in Idri Island, it was built in somebody's property. And these people say now they want, they need their property back. Yeah. So we're actually trying to beat the time to make sure that this school is shifted to the new ground. Okay. And so he was there, you know, making sure that everything is working well. And on our side, we'll be uh, raising funds to make sure that we can put a school uh, there quickly. And, uh, you know, he's also been promoting the discipleship workbook. Yeah. Uh, making sure the French discipleship uh, translation is well completed because it's going to be printed by, by December. Okay. Yeah. So he had a great, great trip. He has, That's he's fantastic. tired now. I bet. That's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. And you were working with Pastor Victor in Pakistan as well, just uh, helping with the discipleship workbook, which has been translated into Urdu. Oh, yeah, Urdu. And we actually, I met maybe six, seven groups that are already existing wow. doing Bible study. And I also started three more. So we have like about 10 groups now, which are wow. ongoing. That's Very awesome. Excited, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a good, that's a good recap. Thank yep. you so much for your time, Pastor Samuel. Mm-hmm. God bless you. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. As always, Buona Asifiwe. Buona Asifiwe. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pipeline. For more information and resources, like us on Facebook or visit our website at pipesinternational.org. If you'd like to support this program or the Ministry of Pipes International, you can do so easily and securely on the website. Buona Asifiwe.